0: Hey, what's going on? Today is Monday, February 26th, and you are listening and watching the Daily AI Show Live. And today we are back this week. We've got all sorts of fun uh, topics, but one of the ones we have for today is talking all about HCI. And if you don't know what that is, that's Human Computer Interface. We want to talk all about, you know, the neural links of the world, which probably gets a lot more of the press, but there's other companies out there. You know, how is AI integrating with these HCI's and uh, brain computer interfaces as well, which is probably more on the neuralink side. So, lots to dive in and talk about. But I think the person to go to to kick this off would be you, Andy. About oh, by the way, June, me, Beth, Carl, Andy, and I'm Brian. We're all here today, so I always like to let you know who's here. Uh, but Andy, why don't you kick us off on all the amazing things that are going on in the uh, HCI
1: and AI world? Uh, uh, first, I'll just lay out a kind of a progression that's been observable over the course of my life. Uh, in how we interact with machines, uh, and particularly electronic machines and calculating machines, and so on. Uh, so, uh, just a quick anecdote about me personally. In my high school, we had a data processing thing, and what it was was a big old machine that that uh, you know had punch cards in it, <laughs> literally, and that was you got to sit at one. Keyboard that then punched into the cards, and then those cards had to be stacked into the computer so it could read them. Right, that's how. That's the beginning of kind of you know human experience of human computer interface. Uh, and then in the in the eighties, uh, it became important to have a graphical user interface. Doug Engelbart was a was a, a, a name that was associated with the development of the vision. For how uh, computer interfaces would, would progress. And so the graphical user interface with a screen where you actually have graphic elements and you can have a keyboard and a screen. And then, then along came the mouse, right? The mouse was a very much easier thing to do than to, to use a keyboard. You could select things that were graphic representations on the screen. Uh, now, fast forward to natural language processing so that the computer actually has the ability to hear what you want to say. It's actually happening to translate it into text and then inputting it as text. But that's that's the advancement uh, so the computer can hear what you have to say. Uh, about the same time as that's happening, there's VR, which allows you to interact immersively with an environment that's computing and presenting the output of that environment to your eyes uh, with motion tracking for both your head you know, to track your gaze and manipulate the computer output to your eyes so that it looks like you're in a real 3D space, a, very, a much more natural kind of interface than, than you know sitting at a screen with a, with a keyboard and a mouse. Um, so all of that moves forward to the point where now we're starting to see computer devices that, that in, in, encompass vision. So we're we're going to talk today, I'm sure, about a couple of things that have cameras built into them, several things. You've heard about the Meta Glasses. You heard about AI pin, which has a camera, you know, on a pin-mounted thing like Star Trek, right? Uh, You know, it's a more natural kind of way to interact with something than to pick up your phone, put in your, uh, you know, passcode, find the app that you want to use, click the little microphone button and then speak to it. I mean, you literally just touch the pin and start speaking, and it's a, it's ready and waiting for that. Similarly, AI Rabbit, uh, the, the Rabbit R1 <laughs> is another device I'm looking forward to getting mine. And uh, if we have time, I have teed up a couple of short TikToks that will give you, if you're seeing these things for the first time, a, a quick demo of each of those. Uh, and so th- that's really what we're talking about is what's the most natural and usable way to interact with computers, and more importantly now, AI. Is there a need for an AI device? Uh, Not a need, maybe, or is there a preference for an AI device that's more usable than your smartphone as a way of interfacing with AI? That's uh, sort of the intro to that subject. Mm -hmm.
2: I think um, uh, one thing that you did not highlight in that is the uh, you reference spatial computing, but um, one of the things that I find really exciting is, uh, though I do not possess it because that's not happening, um, uh, is the Vision Pro, that's not happening with version one. I, I uh, am with Carl's school of like, let the bugs happen and uh, come in a little come in a little later, um, uh, don't get the first version. Um, but the but the idea that it could be tracking my eyes, so I don't even really need to do something, like move something specific. I'm literally just looking at something and uh, and it is intuiting, right? It's not intuiting, it's programmed so that it can make inferences based on the way that my eyes are moving. I find that really exciting.
0: And I think there's like that that idea, what we saw with the Apple Vision Pro and God knows there's so many YouTube videos and people using Mar- Marcus Brownlee always does a phenomenal job with his breakdowns and stuff like that. There's so many others out there. But the idea that you look and I guess pinch, I don't own it either, obviously, but you just sort of pinch your fingers and you go, okay, that with this camera, my Lumina camera that I'm, I'm recording this on, it's probably already possible from a desktop scenario as well where i don't have to wear the interface so for instance right now i'm looking in the upper right corner and i'm seeing beth but maybe if i'm focusing on beth talking beth's a little square in my stream yard which is what we're using gets a little bit bigger for me and then while i'm talking (laughs) to beth or whatever and then i'm like Uh, Beth stops talking and Jimmy starts talking. Of course, my eyes go over to watch Jimmy's mouth move and Jimmy talk. And now Beth gets a little bit smaller on my screen and Jimmy comes up. And so this idea that we could have this very, very quickly within a Zoom setting, StreamYard setting. And then the same thing with pinching. If the camera is watching me, then it's very, it's very, you know, it's not a big leap to say, oh, could I go over and turn back on the the music that I do at the beginning of the show and and the graphics and stuff by simply looking over to the bottom right of my screen and just clicking my fingers or whatever that feature is. That's an Apple thing, obviously, with the clicking of the fingers. All of that, for everything we're doing on Streamer right now, probably none of it would really use the mouse, except for when you get back to like needing the keyboard and having to type things in. And I don't know if that becomes like a, I don't know, Jimmy, is that like a go on mute? And I'm like, I say the thing I want to say really quick, and that's the typing. And then it just, it plays it back. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my point to that, is, Beth, that just don't. to say, like, really quick, like, I, re- you know, we're all thinking about, oh, you got to wear the goggles and stuff. And I'm thinking, like, no, we already have a lot of this stuff. And Andy, you kind of said it, too, that sort of already exists. It's more or less surprising to me that it hasn't hit the mass market. And we haven't started to find more ways to get our hands off the mouse um, while we're interacting at a desktop. Um, I-, I certainly do 95% of my work at the desktop. I still sit at the desk. I don't get to move around the house a little bit more. So until we can get to those places where, you know, whether it's the rabbit or the R1 or Humane or whatever the case is, and I'm able to leave my desk, kind of like we talk about with Chat GPT, and I can have conversations and do brainstorming, walking laps around my the the island in my kitchen, until I can really detether from this seat from this desk. I think the first step really for some of these newer interventions is just, well, how can we get the mouse out of the scenario a little bit more? Um, I don't know. That's where I see this first, like this next step going, I guess. You Ooh. know, um, there, there was a
3: couple of, uh, three years ago, there was a huge push in AR where a lot of things you can do with your phone, you can measure and all that kind of stuff. And then I cool. saw this keyboard where you know, it still mounts on your desk, and then it's—I think it's done by lasers or something—and then you don't have to have a physical keyboard. But mm. exactly what you're thinking of, Brian? I'm like, well, I just rather have a keyboard than a non-physical keyboard because there's no difference, and the mm. the laser one isn't as responsive as the um, as the, the the mechanical keyboard. And I got to thinking about that, and I don't know if I'm going down a different rabbit hole here. Is when I'm starting to see um, uh, electric vehicles and, you know, there's a lot of touchscreens and so on, a lot of the times when you're driving, you want to actually feel your way through. Hey, I need to increase the heat, decrease heat. Like Mm -hmm. there's like the mechanical touch versus a touchscreen where you have to pay attention unless you've like mastered the muscle memory or like the exact, like I can press this twice, press this once, press this to reach the whatever and then i can increase the the fan or whatever you're trying to increase right versus like oh i can just twist the knob and i know that it's there and to me that's a little safer and probably easier but when we yeah but when we get when we get to like these these human interfaces with ai yeah like the the uh the quest or the the vision pro probably one of those first things that i'm looking for hopefully version two or version three can fix that keyboard and, yeah. and maybe make that, you know, the pinch a little bit snappier so it's more intuitive rather than, you know, because from what I've read, you can only do one one taps, not multiple yes. fingers. So you're yeah. just doing this, which yeah. it, if you think about it, it's pretty cool. You can do it in air, but it's like, well, it's not that great. And then I'm doing this, right? And then I'm looking. So how can you make that more intuitive? Yeah. I, I think right. they'll fix
0: it. And, and you know, <clears throat> Carl, some of that might be, I'll, I'll say it might be age too. Like my daughter at thirteen clearly has no issue issue with texting, and despite texting being around now for well over a decade, I suffer miserably from it. I'm pretty sure my hands are too big. I got fat fingered <laughs> and that's why I can't text. And I never hit the space bar. I only hit the point. I only hit the period on my phone, and it's it's a miserable existence. I just want to learn. I just want to type, and I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the keyboard when I type or whatever. But to that point, this. It's not a big deal. And so, you know, a QWERTY keyboard is what was brought up years and years and years ago. But for these new interfaces, I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting idea of like, is it even the keyboard? Is it a bit of this and a bit of this mm-hmm. and a yeah. bit of looking? And is it some weird hybrid version that altogether removes the keyboard? But it's not like there's a version. I think maybe the problem is. They're trying to create a digital version or laser version of the keyboard, and maybe the real answer is: guess mm-hmm. what? You don't need the keyboard mm-hmm. because through a series well, of visual, isn't, tactile, isn't, and
1: all that, we can get rid of it. Sorry, isn't the, the obvious uh, replacement of the keyboard voice?
2: Yes, and except that I don't right? want to say
1: everything out loud.
2: Well, but imagine you're in a situation where you're where. Physically, you are able to walk around and wave your arms at your windows and like doing that kind of stuff. I'm not sure that that isn't also a situation where I can say anything I want to say to the computer out loud, right? Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. that's not a library, like, we're not doing that in the library.
0: it, it doesn't really, I mean, look, there's a lot of, look, COVID brought obviously a huge uh, additional push to work from home. And there's a lot of people who are, who are now more siloed than they were before and not in large offices. But the, obviously that's still a huge part of work. And so I yeah. do look at that and I go, okay, maybe. And Andy, I think like what I see there is, okay, let's get into this a little bit because this is another huge, huge area. And I, I mentioned at the top of the thing, Andy, what you're talking about as far as, visual and being able to look at things and and that progression is is hci but then you have hci which is more on the bci side which is the brain connection interface so there's the actual um surgical incisions of things like Neuralink, which i didn't realize until i researched that the the fibers are so fine that it has to be surgically implanted by a robot who has the i don't know dexterity to put all the fibers where it needs to be you can't even do it by human hand because they're too fine of fibers or whatever which I found really interesting but okay that's an implant all right are we all gonna get an implant in order to work more efficiently no but like snap bought next mind and that is a wearable and now that next mind that wearable does not send stuff back to the brain it's only taking as far as I understand it the ECGs which is the brain waves and it's interpreting those okay, now we have something, right? Because now I already know that there's there's directional sound. I already know that exists. I've seen speakers. I think they're too expensive to be at the natural thing. But if I sit at my desk and I do this, I'm the only one that can hear the sound. It's always coming directly to my ears. And the idea being if people are next to me in cubicles, Mm -hmm. they would not be able to hear the sound, despite the fact that I don't have headphones on and speakers. And we know we can do bone conduction for talking. So are we getting close maybe with something like a next mind where you do sit at your desk and you put up on, but it's not covering your eyes. And now I am able to speak without having to type or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I was theorizing, but it seems like w- that's sort of where this is going, you know, staying short of the, of, you know, the, uh, the, obviously the surgical, which I think is, I definitely want to talk about in today's show because just amazing improvements in that area as well. But
1: so let, let me mention, please, that uh, these things will first, I think, be proven out. These you know advancements in human-computer interface to the benefit of accessibility for people with disabilities. Right. So, so um, like Neuralink, for example, its its first use case is somebody who doesn't have the ability to manipulate a mouse or a keyboard or anything else can now move a cursor with their thoughts on a screen there's something very similar to that uh in in ai pin where you know uh you don't have to move you all you have to do is move your hand like this and you're moving the cursor right so Mm -hmm. gestures are being interpreted by the camera in ai pin to control a visual display that's projected onto your hand The camera is good enough that it tracks your hand's position as you're moving it around. And then you have subtle movements of your hand that can move the cursor of the display on your hand. It's very cool. Um, So, yeah, all of these things are happening now. But I think they'll find their first uses, making it easier to interface with computers for people who don't have the typical skills and or equipment that we have become accustomed to.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and we we need to also cover the the purpose. Like you, Andy, you've ta- you've touched upon it. This this will be the the inroads uh, uh, to help those folks. But what is what is HCI or BCI and things like that? What is, what is their main purpose? And and as we've seen through progression of time, when we've gone from traditional desktop computing to mobile computing, and now we're inroads into mainstream spatial computing and things like that is we're looking for that fine balance to have less resources or less attention that needs to be spent in the interaction, right? From the human side, the computer is, is offloading or lifting most of that. And that gives us more freedom to interact with the world around us. Right. Whether that be an immersion kind of thing with like the um, the Vision Pro uh, for for that kind of experience where we're using minimal effort to to interact with whatever information or even like watching a movie, how they are doing it now, you know, things like that. So it's it's finding that balance between this is what a technology can do. Like Carl said, that lazy laser keyboard thing that's been around for years, like decades. Right. Uh, It never really worked too well, not enough to, you know, replace a regular keyboard. But those inroads and those kinds of technologies, um, knowing, you know, where your your hands are or your body position and things like that, that's been used in motion capture for for years. and just evolving that uh, those technologies would help alleviate the, um, the lift from the human side. So you can have wearables, you can, you can interact with the world with like AR and, and things like that. And it's all of these layers to help us go from sitting at a computer to where we will be more comfortable as human beings interacting with the world around us or interacting with uh, the work that we have to do. And I think that's where that that fine balance is and where this technology goes.
2: Nice. I'm with Brian too about like, um, it would be happy for me if the uh, human computer interface that had some sort of keyboard could realize that I too hit the period instead of the space bar and (laughs) automatically adjust the space bar over like, one exactly. millimeter right like mm-hmm. i don't that want you to amazing. ask me where I want it because i don't know you do yeah. right, right. or my AI, I AI hit it the
4: wrong time, time. period instead of space yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Do, just, do you make, all- just move it over you knew i was trying to hit the space bar exactly yeah, that, that that language model that data collection should be solid at this point as far as going you have thousands of points of data knowing i screwed it up every single time no i agree with you i think Jimmy, when you were talking i was thinking like aren't we really saying productivity? That's the word that kind of keeps coming back to me. And and what I mean by that is we we can take productivity to, we think about it in business terms, which is fine, but also productivity to me could be, I know just my understanding just from knowing people that were friends of my mom's and stuff like that, where there was a, um, it was a stroke or something like that. And it was the husband of one of my mom's friends. This is going back to the eighties and um, he could do the, fairly laborious task of looking at a letter and then it would write that letter and then the next letter. And so he, this gentleman could communicate back with his wife and family, but it was, but it but took forever, right? Cause it was like letter by letter by letter by letter, but it worked. And I mean, outside of that huge, huge advancements. And obviously I'm sure that sped up over the decades as well, but that could be looked at as productivity. We could look at productivity as if it's a um like this company uh, paradromics uh dromics it might be p-a-p-a-r-a-d-r-o-m-i-c-s paradromics um they are specifically looking at brain comput- computer interfaces for um um what should we call it it's, um Severely motored, impaired people communicate, enabling social connection. So severely motor impaired people. So uh, with walking, moving hands, artificial limbs, things like this. So that could be looked at productivity or simply the business model, what we're all talking about, which could be looked at productivity as well, which is if there's better ways for me to interact with the work, I'm already doing that. And that brings efficiencies to my, my workday. Well, that's very much like an LLM coming in and us saying like, "Oh, I have this AI agent that can now off take take off my plate some of these individual tasks." To me, it's like all part of the same soup, I guess, is the way I think of it. But there's definitely different ways that HCI is is integrating with AI, and I think as we see these language models, that's kind of I don't know, Andy or or Carl, maybe like what what do you guys think? Like I kind of see these language models as like sort of the missing piece that's going to make some of these maybe previously already sort of baked out HDIs that maybe didn't land. Maybe that's yeah. the that's the key that's going to unlock that to bring that to the masses.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say that conversational AI, which is what LLMs accomplish, uh, allows you to tune the instruction to the AI, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to overcome mistakes and or you know misunderstandings. So that's, that's the back and forth of a conversation that we do as humans to refine our mutual understanding in order to get to a goal. And so, yeah, I think uh, many of the things that were hampered by the inability of the compute side of the thing to actually be in a dynamic conversation that, that, that arrives at ultimately an assistant with agency that can act on your behalf, you know, the, the, that, that's the, the holy grail. Is that now you can have multiple modes of communication, whether it's visual, like using a camera, or it's, uh, you know, suppose I have no voice box, and I can't really articulate with a voice, but that computer is going to be able to read my lips. We can train that thing to read my lips. So as long as the camera's there, I can speak again, even though I may have lost my ability to communicate. That's a... Kind of a hacked uh, example of that but the computers and the a, the advancements of ai are going to make it possible for that side of the, the of the um, I- equation to be incredibly facile at interpreting and then resolving what it is that the human really wants to do even if they're massively disabled uh, all the way mm-hmm. up to including a brain computer interface
3: well, haven't we seen, um, I think that video of like six months ago, eight months ago now of the the person with Parkinson's and then it was like you turn on something, the chip in their brain was, they installed something and then the moment it was activated, the amount of shaking and movement like significantly dropped to- Yeah, so they could
1: drink a glass of water, which they couldn't do before. They, they couldn't, like, yeah. Literally, <clears throat> before they couldn't bring a glass of water, they yeah. Yeah, and that's like noise cancellation inside the human brain.
2: Yeah. And, mm.
1: uh, you know, it's an active electronic uh, process that's been implanted that that basically adjusts for the misfiring of neurons in there and tempers them, damps them to the point where now command and control from the human's effort, like to guiding their muscles, is, is effective because it's not being overridden by all of this, uh, you know, yeah, that noise that's been injected.
3: Uh, one thing I wanted to ask all of you would be, you know how some things, and it's hard to 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 see where this is. Is some tech, some things are just maybe either two, three, four, five years just ahead of its time. So maybe some things that we've seen in the past was just too early because yeah, a, a dependency on another technology wasn't quite ready. So it just but it needed that other piece of technology to make it go forward. So maybe things like agents or GPT-5 are the missing piece for some of those previous tech that just didn't pan out because they just didn't, they couldn't compute well. So maybe, but since we're talking about AI, it isn't years, it's months. So maybe they were released like eight months earlier than if they were released eight months later, they would have gained the traction because of how quick, we're seeing it so i and when we talk about humane maybe it's a little ahead of its time because people there isn't a foundation there isn't a transition to it it's just a direct oh my gosh i'm gonna now have this thing and it's gonna be with me maybe there's like one extra step that needed to happen before everyone's comfortable with that and maybe the vision pro was that step and then to the next step i don't know
1: yeah well i, I agree intuitive, usability is a function of uh, simple intuitive interactions and then familiarity with those models of interaction with the computer. now i so i'm i'm going to dive down into like the the usability of the phone as compared to humane's ai pin mm. for the general user so uh, i kind of alluded to it before but you know we, we let me ta- start with the idea of gestures so we have touch pads on computers now that we didn't have before they are in effect a replacement of for mice and all the multiple buttons on a mouse that can do different diff, different actions in effect but now you can use multiple gestures if you will by the, the touchpad with I, you know, one finger swiping down does one thing. Two does something else. Three going right to left does something else. But, you know, that's not that intuitive. You really have to practice and use that. And I would say that the vast majority of users of touchpads don't really understand the full capabilities of the gesture control of the touchpad. Right.
2: Now, but the motivation to do that is like, I would say the vast majority of people who have carpal tunnel totally get the multiple gestures, right? Yeah. There's a, there's an right. inherent motivation right. to like, right. okay, this hurts. I will figure out how to do it in a way that's not painful. Right. Um, and you're right that that's not something that the average person- Well, I think we also to have do. to
4: uh, understand that. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Andy.
2: Oh,
1: I just want to say like now on the AI pin that you see in the demonstrations, I don't have one <clears> and, <throat> and I'd love to have one. But uh, you see in the you next- may.
2: reach out to us.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Press once to talk to the AI, right? Press twice to translate, like our two fingers, I should say. Not press twice, not not two taps. But two fingers on the button held, speak something in, and then it's going to know that you want whatever you said to be translated to the different language. So- Translate this the next sentence, please, into Swahili. <laughs> okay. And then you say your sentence, and it comes out in Swahili by pressing with two fingers. One finger. Now, that's simple, right? right. There's not a whole lot of instructions that you need to understand there. Uh, and, and and I think that that bodes well for AI Pin and its other Star mm-hmm. Trek communicator type, uh, you know, uh, uh, Followers. I mean, there will be multiple who provide that and at, at lower and lower cost because it's easy to understand and easy to use and it's more direct and immediate. I, I believe that there will be a need for something less complex than all the apps and all of the, the safety controls on my smartphone to make immediate access to perplexity available. And by the way. It, the, the Rabbit R1, which uh, you know is a, it looks like a teenager's device because it was it was designed by teenage design, which is the uh, so it has a very simple and and easy look to it. It comes with a full year of Perplexity Plus. So there's a partnership between Rabbit AI and Perplexity. <laughs> so the very best search tool that is AI powered out there, mm-hmm. Perplexity, is built into Rabbit. And it also has a camera it has a simple button, one button press to, to talk to that, uh, to that device. So it, it's basically knocking away all of the obstacles that some people have. There's a cognitive load associated every time I open up my device, try to remember where the bucket of all the apps is that has the one app that I'm looking for. I, I wanna be able to get to that much more quickly and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'll be experimenting with Rabbit. Uh, I have one coming. It's coming hopefully at the end of March or uh, early April.
2: Early April, I think.
0: Well, Junior. I think let's just take a minute or two here as we sort of wrap up today's session to talk about maybe what the future looks like. Now, Andy, you sort of touched on that a little bit. Uh, Jimmy, you did as well. Um, and I was reading a, a um, it was a Forbes article when I was doing some stuff here from um, Bernard Marr is who it's from, from last August. Um, and it's like where's where next it says like uh obviously this is a very advanced technology um but we're not too far off maybe the complete fantastical such as being able to digitally record um all of a person's life experiences um that might be in the near future if there's you know if there's an ability to d- you know do that and and, and grab the uh the waves, so to speak um we can, in the near future, we can expect less invasive methods of capturing electrical brain activity, meaning that technology would have a wider number of applications without users having to undergo implant surgery. It's likely to include advancements in the near infrared uh, spectroscopy, uh, scopi, which detects changes in blood flow in the brain using light. It's pretty cool sounding. Um, and then it goes on to say, like, look, how far away are we really from brain to brain um, interfaces, essentially making telepathic messages. Because if there's an implant that can decode my brain signals and Jimmy has one too, and the only thing in between that is some sort of technology or software or otherwise, or AI that's able to take that, then, um, you know, uh, Jimmy and I could be living in the matrix. Maybe we are. Um, so I think there's some like really cool, like, far far advanced stuff but I kind of agree with you guys like the next step here is from the interface standpoint things like humane although I will tell you I think my opinion on that is that they will falter and and fail or ra- maybe not rabbit it as much and I think it's because of um speed once we get to the point where we can put you know small enough chips and processors like we're seeing coming out and we have full non-Wi-Fi necessary LLMs and all that and perplexities all that on device everything I've seen from those I just feel like it's too slow And if I'm going to hold my hand out and say, what's the weather? And I have to wait 10 seconds or 15 seconds to get that answer. It doesn't necessarily make it something that I think is going to be super valuable to people. It'll be be a novelty. It'll be fun to do. And people will be like, oh, wow, look at this. You can swipe on my hand and stuff. But really, truly to get mass adoption, I just think it's going to have to be as fast as your phone. I mean, because that's what people are going to expect on it. Um, So anyway, that's where I see sort of like the near future stuff. Do you guys have any like you know, whether it be predictions or like, what is the next three, five years of this look like? Is it just more versions of Apple Vision Pro and things like that? Or is it more wearables? Is it, or more like what you're saying, Andy, where it's like, it's a wearable, but it's not necessarily covering your eyes necessarily. It's not immersive in that way. It's more AR versus VR. I think,
4: uh, I think what, what I'd like to point out is, so let's let's take the current batch of things that come out: Apple Vision Pro, Meta Glasses, Rabbit, and Humane Pin. Okay, these are all examples of first, uh, uh, first forays into getting mass adoption. Right? These, the 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 concept of using cameras and gestures or using a headset to to read what you're looking at or have you know pointing out in space and things like that those those concepts have been around for decades it's we've just reached a point where we have a commercially viable product that we can now help train the consumer base to accept and to adopt right right and that's and that's i think the the main purpose of these of these products hitting hitting the market is oh we're we're introducing something that can be a benefit to you we see in five years or ten years time that we aren't going to be on the keyboard and mouse anymore we're going to be moving in this direction where you're doing gestures or you're it's following your eye movements you know or you know we talk about things like haptic feedback and and things like that if you if you're familiar with ready player one and the gloves and all those kinds of things right that's been around for 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 a very long time but now we're at a point where the technology can be produced uh quick enough and cheap enough to get it out there are we going to okay. see media adoption no it's going to take a couple of years until we start to see everyone with a rabbit or a similar device or someone with a pin or similar device or maybe even a lighter cheaper version of the vision pro so all, I, I think spatial computing hci uh, even bci what we're seeing what we're going to see over like the next few years is just more uh in a position to be more adopted as the new interface or as the new interaction and and moving from the existing uh systems
2: and i'm going to say that um, the, the things that will succeed, like Jumi is, uh, is alluding to, are either things that have an amazing story to them, right? So Rabbit was so successful in their thing because they, because they spun a really nice story. Or I think the easier path for the adoption, I'm not saying it's the easier path for the creation and the tech behind it, is to go with something that we already know in the popular culture. Right. So Mm -hmm. one of the frustrations for me about uh, what I refer to as Lady Wiretap so that she will not start speaking when I say her name in my room um, (laughs) is that she is not as responsible as Star Trek computer, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. If you can get a story, if you can tap into a story that we already understand now, you don't have to educate us about how to use it Mm -hmm. in a like really new idea. It's like, oh, it's like the tricorder, but you do it this way right right
4: right right yeah Well humane pin is actually a uh starfleet communicator yeah, that's me. what i'm
0: waiting for <laughs> some, some it, listen somebody somebody <laughs> will get those naming rights and do that because i mean why wouldn't they somebody from who owns the star trek you know uh uh name image and likeness or whatever is going to make a lot of money <laughs> so in the future i don't know who owns it you know cbs whoever owns it. it but somebody's gonna make a lot of money
1: on it um any other last thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, I want to just say uh, the, we're going to wrestle over the course of the next couple of years with the emergence of continuously listening and watching mm-hmm. AIs yes. being supported around yeah. by other people. Uh, and h- how society responds to that is like an open question. Uh, I, I'm not personally afraid of that, but but there are some ethical and, uh, and sort of surveillance related issues. With there being continuous monitoring, that's that's uh, available either to individuals or to uh, other institutions.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: The one last thing I want to point out too is like, I know, I I believe like the the foundations are going to be coming in the next, quote unquote, the software is going to come out in the next three to six months with the 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 advances we make with large language models and so on and then i think that's when we'll have enough to get the actual hardware and you know a lot of these ai companies are talking about hardware and i'm sure we have a show coming up about ai hardware but like i think you need to get the base first before you connect it to that yeah. to that next level so yeah i'm excited about not just the next couple of years but like the next 3 to 6 months which i think is like going to be pretty big
0: yeah yeah for sure All right. Well, listen, that'll wrap it up for today. Um, Coming up later on in this week, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the future of podcasts and news as, you know, we get into this new AI era and what does that mean? And, Uh, we'll get into that tomorrow what sparked that but it has to do with perplexity believe it or not uh wednesday we'll be talking about the news thursday navigating past between ai innovation and bias and that will be talking about what happened with google and why they had to pull away creating images of people and and what happened there uh friday we have a review of the arc search app i will be out for that show which i'm totally bummed about because i love that damn app so maybe (laughs) i'll do a maybe i'll do a pre recording for that one But that's what we got coming up the rest of the week, guys. Until then, we'll see you back tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.
4: Aloha.